Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. I'm not going to say good morning. Or afternoon <laughs> or evening. I am going to let them. Or Christmas or New Year's or Thanksgiving this is or true. Happy Birthday or Fourth of July. It all dates the program. Yes, so I have learned my lesson from saying any sort of time frame. <laughs> but it does bring up a really good point. Hmm, which is? Which is, you could say something else. <laughs> this is true. Hello, listeners. <laughs> that sounds really old-fashioned, doesn't it? Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't we're know. Kind I like of, we're kind of throwback. I Old-fashioned. I like which is it. a great segue. See, this is how that works. You say something. And then I take that, and it goes right in the direction of the way we want to go. Well, good. So, Carolyn, there was this program on television. Oh, boy. It is called Quantum Leap. Yes. And I think it was real popular, so probably mm -hmm. most of our listeners at one point or another have either seen it first run or in rerun. But I saw it going through the channels. I saw it on television the other night, and I turned it on, and it wasn't Quantum Leap. It was Quantum Leap, but it wasn't the Quantum Leap that I saw all those years ago, uh, which is kind of like even doubling down on where I'm going with this point. Quantum Leap, of course, for those who may have forgotten exactly what that program was about, was about this person that could do time travel. And for whatever reason, I'm not even sure I recall the reason, he was compelled to go back in history and maybe he was trying to work his way out of a problem. Maybe he was just out of good nature trying to fix problems. But that was the part that I, I held on to, that I recalled. And I always re enjoyed trying to figure out who he was, and mm -hmm. you know, because it would be him, but it really would be him. He could be a she because he would, you know, occupy the character. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little complicated. Anyhow, the notion of going back in time. Even so, the throwback piece is a bit throwback. And even so, now we've got this new quantum leap. And I'm not even sure what it's about. And I tried to tell my son, I said, that's not quantum leap. He said, yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. And I couldn't even really either convince him there was one before or what the previous one was like, how much better it was. Hmm. I've seen an advertisement for this new quantum leap. And it caught my attention. I was like, hmm, they're trying to redo a classic, you know, show that used to be. So I guess time will tell and tell us if it succeeds or if it supersedes or, you know, how well it does. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm very kind of leery when they redo things that were working, that was something that was done well. And I don't even know that the original was, quote, done well, but I didn't really watch it. My mom watched it. But whenever they try to redo something like that, I feel like you don't mess with classics sometimes. I'm, I'm a little... Well, and they always look today, <laughs> retrospectively, I will look back and think, oh, that was great, 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 great. And then mm -hmm. I'll go see it again. Yeah. And it wasn't nearly as good as mm -hmm. I thought it was. Yes. So this is true. Looking yeah. back, it always seems better. Mm -hmm. There's this other, <laughs> there's this other program that I really was very fond of too. As we're chatting a bit here, uh, Bullwinkle and Rocky. 
And I think there was Sherman mm -hmm. and Mr. Peabody. Mm -hmm. And I think Mr. Peabody had the Wayback Machine, now that I'm recalling it. So with that in mind, let me just kind of send that, mm -hmm. channel that a bit, send that vibe, channel it in this way. So Mr. Peabody always used to say to Sherman, Sherman, let's start the Wayback Machine. And then Sherman, of course, being the child, Mr. Peabody, being the dog, Mr. Peabody would teach him all these incredible lessons about history. Hmm. So with that in mind, Carolyn, okay. let me ask you this question. Have you ever truly thought of what it might be like to go back and live with Jesus? Hmm. I thought you were going to say back in another time frame or another time period to which I was going to say, yes, I have thought about that. <laughs> but with Jesus, uh, a little bit, a little bit as far as what it would be like to live and the accompaniments that we're used to and, and the things about how it would be to live in that time frame. But to be like one of his contemporaries, I don't know that I've really thought about that. I thought about what it would be like to live, but I don't know that I thought about what it would be like just to be alive during that time. Well, and that may be the point too, is it's really incomprehensible, mm -hmm. very difficult for mm -hmm. us to imagine. And even as we were saying about Quantum Leap, you know, we read the story and the story's been told and told and told, and I believe it's a living, breathing testimony mm -hmm. as with the Holy Spirit. And so I don't know that it is so factually based, and I'm not sure the exact facts, the cultural sort of references are as important. I think they're mm -hmm. important. Right. I think they're, it's very important to understand contextually what was going on at the time of Jesus so that we, got all, we can get all nuances mm -hmm. of the messaging. And I don't know that it gets watered down necessarily. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm mm -hmm. just saying when you go back and look at it, it's always seemingly more idealized. Mm -hmm. And though I was kind of lamenting <laughs> a bit going back and looking at Quantum Leap and thinking, well, it wasn't as great as I thought it was. But I think that to some extent, it becomes part of that hyperbole. It becomes part of that kind of Disney-esque thing where you take something, you glorify it, you aggrandize it, mm -hmm. you, you make it iconically mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. When there's nothing, and I say Disney, because if anybody's ever been to Disney, that's what it's like. When you go to Disney, it's no different than going to Cabinet Park, which is a local amusement park. Mm -hmm. But they just put the icing on it, mm -hmm. and they do this, and they do that, embellish it in mm -hmm. such ways. Which, for me, I'm not trying to detract in any way, shape, or form from the Word of God, or what we've gotten to in terms of our idealization of Jesus, for those who idealize Jesus, who love Him. But I would want to go back, because there's a lot of dirt there in the air, literally, under your feet, on your clothes. There's a lot of chilly nights. There's a lot of stars in the sky. There's a lot of people who are just basically doing some... Uh, Basic things, human mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. trying to stay warm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very earthy, very yeah. natural. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I want to celebrate the organic or the mm -hmm. earthy, but I want to remove all the hyperbole. 
Mm -hmm. I, I'd want to remove all of the hype that gets Strip attached to it. Mm -hmm. Because the stories even, even the ones that are most important about Jesus, we just gloss over them. We just like go to church and we celebrate them and it's like a holiday. He's mm -hmm. at the front of the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's like a holiday. Once it's here, you, you know, you may have some anticipation, you celebrate, you kind of get that point preparing logistically. But once it's here, it's gone, we move on to the next one. No, I don't want that to be right. my relationship with Jesus. I'd mm -hmm. like it to be much more organic, mm -hmm. earthy. I'd want the dirt. I'd, I'd want mm -hmm. the smell of the food in the air. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd want the chill of the night. I'd want the stars. I'd want the blankets, mm -hmm. you know, all those things that are mm -hmm. just very natural. <laughs> I can't help but think it sounds like, you, <laughs> sounds like you've been watching The Chosen. <laughs> And maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but they, they do a good job of making that, that idealization sort of stripped away and to get a, to get an image. Cause sometimes I don't think we, even when we read the scripture, unless you're a real visual person to try to imagine those things and, and sort of grasp what that was like, like you said, to live in that time, I think it's hard for people to sort of really fully realize that they they gloss over the story like you said and and to get into the real dirt of it and I think you touched on that it reminds me of our podcast a couple weeks ago when we were talking about um, Jesus being anointed and the scene there and, and people were there and, and it was pretty raw and I thought, this is good, you know, because I really got into that story. And I felt like I was there watching that. And so I, I really like that. I feel like we need to sort of get into that. And I agree with you. I don't, I don't want that. I want to get into the, the real part of it because otherwise it's just a dramatization or a magazine cover. You know how the, the magazine pages are slick, like shiny? It's like that. And that's not, to me, real life. Well, it may be more even today than ever before because the means and the resources there to do such. Mm -hmm. It seems we live in an artificial world mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. kind of measure each other even by emojis and <laughs> text messages. Mm -hmm. And though words are, are important and imagery is important and that's all high level kind of communication, it's not what I'm talking about mm -hmm. because there's something that happens when you're really with the person in a spiritual dimension mm -hmm. that's tangibly so, so real, so authentic, so genuine mm -hmm. that it changes you as it, it has the impact. And maybe it changes in this way. Maybe it really doesn't change you. Maybe it just points out who the real you would be and that mm -hmm. strips away all the things, yeah. the adornment, mm -hmm. the superficials that that people put on mm -hmm. Jesus mm -hmm. or put on even us, each mm -hmm. other, mm -hmm. in an iconic sort of way that unfortunately seems to be just part of our existence anymore. It's hard to find real, hard to find that tangible, even if it is a, a bit in that organic, earthy way, kind of more difficult or gritty or whatever it is you'd want to call it, it's more empirically so, experientially so, it's more real to us. Right. Yes, I totally agree. And I remember sharing with my husband about this, this book that I've read several times. And, and in it, 
they attempt to bring a group of people together. And so they say, we're going to have a potluck. You remember when people used to bring just, you know, they say, we're going to have a potluck, especially church gatherings and things. And it was interesting because the people, some of the people were homeless. And so they didn't really have something, you know, grand to present. But it was interesting in the way that they brought it all together and that it worked. And it didn't have to look beautiful or perfect. And I remember reading that and it just struck me. Um, it really spoke to me, um, that, that series of books, that, those books that I read. Because in our life and today, we want, it, we want it to look pretty. And we want it to fit all together and, and be like it should. But as I was reading, it didn't. It didn't like fit all together. And there was random things. And some people brought something that didn't go with something else. And, but in the end, they all enjoyed it together. And it was very natural and like you said totally um you know not um sophisticated it wasn't throw you know it wasn't planned well there's yes i was going to say there's always that risk you used that's a much more positive word that you chose to use planned i was going to say contrived and and i think Mm -hmm. that's the risk too is is that we've lost our sense of reality such that we don't know when we're being played we don't do not know when we're being manipulated, mm-hmm. and you can say, "Well, you know, it just goes with the territory," or "No, they wouldn't do that." Uh, all that sounds, you know, con- con- know conspiracy, yeah. nefarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do believe commerce being commerce, and I didn't use the word transactional. Commerce being commerce. Mm-hmm. That that's really the intention. People are constantly wanting something from you. Mm. And they're unfortunately going to measure the success or failure, not only of of that project, of getting that thing from you, but they're going to measure their life in in total by how much more they have than you do in material regards. Because Mm -hmm. when you make it only about that, there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, of course, you and I both know that's a ridiculous uh, presupposition, premise. To begin with, because there's never a beginning or ending to even the material resource that God Mm -hmm. has created. Mm -hmm. Nothing either begins or ends fully. It changes shape and form. That's whether that's the material or even the energy that that Mm -hmm. is part of animating it. Mm -hmm. Creation. Life. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, though, people, the devil will convince you, get water out of that rock. Well, you Mm -hmm. have to have Moses' rod. Mm-hmm. To get water out of that rock. And then, even if you should hit the rock, you can't hit the rock wrongly. Because then you begin to curse the very thing that God gave you to get the water out of the rock. Mm-hmm. So here we go. You were talking about, <laughs> back a couple of podcasts ago. And Boy. I wanted to use that as, again, you're doing a wonderful job, by the way, of segueing this. I want to use that as a little bit of a segue. To bring about, bring about the full effect mm-hmm. of this way back. Okay. Quantum leap. The way thing. back machine. The quantum leap thing. <laughs> so there's a few moments in Jesus' life that are as much captured in the Gospels that are very, very earthy and very, very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, those tend to be the sadder ones. I don't know if there's anything to that or not. Maybe those are the experiences that maybe it's those kind of losses 
-hmm. where there's pain and there's suffering and there's sorrow and there's separation and there's broken heartedness. Maybe those all tend to either be correlate to, I don't know they're causative of, but they're connected with Mm -hmm. things that have happened. But that's usually when you find people being the most real is when they're in those moments, when all the pretense is stripped from them. Go to a funeral, go to a hospice house, go to your sick relative's house. (laughs) When they're really sick of the flu, go ahead and they're pretty raw and pretty real. (laughs) But one of those incidences, as much would be captured in the gospel, and we've been in Mark, and, and I'm still with this theme of Mark being the everyday guy. The everyday person. And, and again, I'm not a Bible scholar. I, folks have already figured that out. But I do feel like that's important that I give that disclaimer, especially when I'm about to get into deep waters. Okay. But this idea, though, that I don't know that anybody really knows who Mark is. I, I don't know that Mark is identifiably even to a theologian's. Uh, and the best speculation might be that he was somebody that was a primary source witness, but maybe just that, he was an everyday person. And, and being the everyday person that he was, he was just watching this, not so much with a bias or, again, trying to sell or contrive. Mm-hmm. He was going to present it as it really was. And he may have been a person of lesser station in life. I'm not sure. He wasn't either part of the government or he didn't have a, a fishing company. And, you know, his family didn't own, you know, a boat and all the nets and all that that would go with that. So, so he was probably about as close to me and you <laughs> as you could get. And, you know, if I could go back, I'd want to go back like him. Now, we could probably lodge you to that and spend a good bit of the remainder of our time on the podcast today talking about that. But I just want to see it for what it was. I don't want to see it biased. I don't Mm -hmm. want to see it prejudiced. I I want to see it like Mm -hmm. my next door neighbor would see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I live in possibly one of the poorest zip codes. That that sounds overstated. West Virginia is not renowned for being an economically sort of blessed. (laughs) And so zip codes here... Uh, we're probably one of the better zip codes in the state of West Virginia. Certainly there's places in the deep south that are even more poverty and, you know, you can go north. I mean, anywhere you go, there's more. But we're not in the higher echelon of that. We haven't decided if they're, if they're uh, who they actually say they are anyway. They might be... Well, I'm not longing for that. I'm just (laughs) acknowledging my next-door neighbor and I get dirt on us. My next-door neighbor and I wash our cars. My next-door neighbor and I end up raking up the leaves. My next-door neighbor and I paint the houses. My next-door neighbor and I wire our homes. My next-door neighbor... These are all kind of things, sorry. (laughs) But we change the oil in the car where I'm out washing and wiping. I mean, this is the world we live in, right? right? Which doesn't mean those are either bad things or not noble. They're just not what rich people typically do. But I'd like to be that. I'd like to to go as a carpenter. I'd like to go as a coal miner. I'd like Mm -hmm. to go as a farmer. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was going to go back in time, because I'd want to see it through the eyes of someone who knew what reality was, Mm -hmm. what it was to be human, what it was to really have those connections, not only with nature, but one another. Mm -hmm. And probably in my mind, though I have to again confess it's somewhat idealized, that would be so perfect if our world could be like that. Mm-hmm. And it may be 
coming sooner than I'd care to admit because we're fast in decline. We may end up there in the next, I don't know, five years, six years, and who knows what it's going to look like. That's for sure. But if we go back, let's go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we can certainly spend, again, a lot of time on the podcast speaking of Jesus, as with all the things that are of record, even that Mark wrote. But we're going to go back as if Mark were a person and was a firsthand witness and an everyday kind of guy. But even as I go back and I think of it in those terms, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is great because I'm right there then. You know, I'm, I'm and, and in him, so to speak, like quantum leap stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm inserted historically in the situation. And certainly I'm seeing all this go on. And yet at the same time, who am I? And why am I there? Mm-hmm. And I've got a passage I want to exert, excerpt, that's it, out of Mark 14. Take a verse, a couple of verses. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and with that, Jesus is, is praying and nobody's awake and, you know, they've come to apprehend him and uh, they're going to take him in and then he's going to go. And this is, again, the Holy Week and this would be Thursday, so it's the day before his crucifixion, which I believe is on Friday. And, and so this idea that um, if we were there, this might be what we would see. And as much as, again, we could focus on what Marcus has shared in the gospel. I don't even want to do that. I want to ask an even more pertinent question. But I'm going to go to verse 51. Mark 14. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young men laid hold on him and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Who is that? Well, there's silence there for a moment because I was reading prior verses. So I wanted to make sure it wasn't Malchus because he was there. And Jesus talks to them. And it says everyone deserted him and fled, which we know that applies to the disciples that was with him. But this young man was following Jesus, but he didn't... It says everyone deserted him and fled, but apparently he was still there because they seized him, but he fled naked. So I guess my answer is I don't know who this young man is. He's nameless. Yes, and I don't either. And again, I've already confessed my lack of true theological sort of understanding or training that brings about that level of understanding. My doctrine is not in theology. Hmm. But at the same time, if you would then allow me, let's me and you be that man. Okay. And we've just witnessed this. Now, we weren't necessarily the disciples, so we didn't have all of the privy, necessarily, that would, same status, even so with the disciples. Right. I'm not sure. Again, I've confessed, acknowledged. Nobody really can say for sure certain who Mark was, who wrote this. But let's be that person, and we've just watched all of this. 
We've watched the life of Jesus mm-hmm. enough so to be one of the four gospel testimonies, historical renderings as well as personal testimonies of who Jesus was. What would we be thinking at this particular moment? Mm. That's a good question. Well, I think that we would be definitely struck by what was happening. You know, Jesus, the betrayal had just happened. And then, you know, they come in to arrest him, and then there's a little scuffle. And then Jesus speaks, and then he ends it, you know, the scriptures must be fulfilled. And so everybody's seeing the writing on the wall, you know, they're going to go down too, so then they flee. (laughs) But I kind of think that we might be interested in what's happening, but not so much know so that we're going to... (laughs) perhaps lose our life over it because um, it says he fled. Well, I'd want to get out of there. Right. And so I, I feel like that there's something that he obviously was following Jesus. So there's something there that we would want to see. We want to know what's happening. What's going to happen to this man? And then when it gets personal and they seize him, then that's when we decide to get the heck out of Dodge. There's an old saying. As I used to say. Yes. Well, I'm going to go to the way back okay. machine. They're old sayings. Throwbacks. I don't have a dog in that fight. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be good and that could be bad. I'm a man of, I think, some conviction or principle. I believe in right and wrong in that way. And so when you, I think, I believe, I would think, mm-hmm. when you start with that premise, that there is a right and there's a wrong, you can't really not have a dog in the fight mm-hmm. because you can't really be neutral. So I, I must say that. Mm-hmm. But if there was anybody that was closer to not having a dog in the fight, it would maybe be this person. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's helpful because there's not really then the hyperbole. There's not the mm-hmm. manipulation. There's not the trying to sell you on a notion. Mm-hmm. There's just the presentation of the facts. Mm-hmm. But there is an interpretation that goes along with that because it was reality to whomever this might have been. We're, right. pre- we're presuming, and, I, and maybe it'll become clear by the end of the podcast, why I believe this person was with Jesus, not only because he wrote the gospel, but, but all the way to the end. But the notion of it is that if I were there, that's what I'd want to find out. I mean, certainly I would have wanted to have the intimate relationship with Jesus that John had. I would have wanted to have the close communications that Peter and James had. I'd want to have all the, just because it's the way person I am, I'd want to have all the inside information. I'd be a little envious and jealous of you, Carolyn, if you were hanging out with Jesus and I couldn't, and you were going up on mountaintops and you're having a lot of fun up there, and then you were coming down and I was hanging out with all the other people who were sleeping wherever we were sleeping and eating whatever we were eating, and I'd be thinking, well, if I'm going to do all this stuff, let me do it all. I mean, I want it all. Now, I don't know that this is the type of individual that this person is Mm -hmm. that we're reading about that was referenced in Mark 14, verse 51 and 52. But indulge me. If I was going to go back like quantum leap, 
I would want to be inserted in the middle of it, but I'm already convicted. I've already been persuaded. Mm -hmm. Jesus is Lord. I'm already biased. But I do think it's important that we don't lose sight of really the foundation of that. Because if I could have gone back there, or even as we're kind of trying to, attempting to do on the podcast today, remind folks there's tangible realities to this. Mm-hmm. Unless you're able to really identify with Christ in that most intimate of ways, you're probably only going to be spouting off the party line. And you're going to run the risk of really missing the message, which is party lines are good for politics, but party lines are not good for relationships. Mm -hmm. And nobody got saved out of doctrine. Nobody. Doctrine's good. Doctrine's not bad. I'm Old Testament guy. But people get saved because they have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And in many ways, I'm almost convicted enough confident enough to say that maybe this individual knew Jesus better than any of the rest of them Hmm. and never really truly had all that privileged sort of communication Mm -hmm. and again hopefully I'll be able to make that point before the podcast why I believe that before the podcast is over today Hmm. yeah I'm curious to hear that but I don't know that I've really studied about this particular character but it is interesting to think about how he perceived what was going on and I would like I would like to have talked to somebody that didn't know Jesus as we like you said we already know we already know that we believe in him but to hear from somebody that didn't know and then to hear them make that revelation or the revelation be made known to them I guess I should say um, I think that would be interesting to hear to see that of course, we see that today when people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We, we see that. But to see them live it out like in Quantum Leap to go back <laughs> and see them sort of in real time recognize who he was, I think that would have been pretty awesome. And, and as much as you've made the point, as much the scripture referenced it, all the others had left. Mm-hmm. The only one left to see that as with the final sort of, at least in the Garden of Gethsemane, was this person. Mm -hmm. So, if you allow me, we'll go ahead and do this. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We'll go ahead and go to the end, and then we'll backfill. So, let's go to Mark 16. And this would be Mary and Mary. And they would be coming to the tomb of Jesus, the sepulcher. Uh, And they said among themselves, starting with verse 3, Mark 16, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. Excuse me. And they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. You see Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. And he said unto you, as he said unto you, and they went out quickly and fled the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid.
I apologize. I got choked during that. It's, it's a moving <clears throat> passage. It is. And that's another one of those instances where wouldn't you have liked to have been there to see to see that, to see their reactions? But maybe that's the whole point, right? That's my point, at least, on mm -hmm. podcast today. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't know if this was the same young man. I don't know that he was now in a long white garment. I don't know if there's any significance to his nakedness leading the Garden of Gethsemane. I know there was a lot that happened between the Garden of Gethsemane and the, the tomb as the stone was rolled away. And by the time that Mary and Mary got there, was, which was the first of all those that had fled in the garden, there was this, there's this one young man, and he appears again. And with that, he has a testimony. But his testimony is a lot different maybe than theirs. And I was going to go to another passage in the same chapter uh, about how Jesus had to come back and, and we may do it. Mm -hmm. Upbraid the disciples because of their doubts and their fears and their disbelief. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I would, again, want to go back, I'd want to go back not only and be that man, maybe seen it mm -hmm. in the way he did. Even if it required me to shed my old garment, I'd want to put on a new one. But I'd want the new one to come not because of either anybody else believing it or those that were privileged enough to maybe have more face time with Jesus, mm -hmm. personal intimate contact with Jesus in that way. And I do not know how much he did or didn't have. I'm, again, getting into deep waters, as I said at the very beginning mm -hmm. of the podcast. Mm -hmm. But if it were to truly be a man, would I not want to have ended up somehow right smack dab in the place where all the stuff that looked like was going to kill not only Jesus, but the rest of us who were hanging out with him, and maybe in that way it had some dimension of fatality when it came to the world, as we know it, would I not want to be at that place where the resurrection has occurred? He's come out of the grave. Mm -hmm. He's been resurrected. And I'm able to sit there, and what would I be thinking sitting there? Hmm. I'd be trying to put it all together. Mm -hmm. I'd be trying to figure it all out. I'd be trying to say, and I'd be just as excited as hopefully I'm kind of sounding on the podcast because it gets me excited mm -hmm. to think about literally being in the tomb yeah. and knowing that all that Jesus was saying that I had heard all of those days, those weeks, those months, that time I spent with him was true even if everyone else gave up quit believing, needed to be upbraided, mm -hmm. as King James put it. Now, I'm aspirational. I'm always aspirational. But I'd want to be that person. Mm -hmm. And if I could, I'd not only want to be that person then, I'd want to be that person now. Mm -hmm. We're as close to <laughs> the being rolled away and witnessing again the very same things that they were witnessing during this reference between Mark and 14 and, and, and then 16 and the resurrection of Christ during that Holy Week. We are living in that time now. I don't need the quantum leap it. I don't need Mr. Peabody. I don't need the Wayback Machine. 
I don't need a lesson from Mr. Peabody as Sherman might as to what Jesus, I don't need to hear the hyperbole. It's all okay. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. I think, that, I mean, I know that sounds negative to say it's a problem with that. I, I think it's fine. But if it doesn't bring us to a point like this, what is it worth? And if we can't see the dimensions that it could easily just be me and you that has the testimony of Jesus Christ in us more than even those that we might look to as the ones that should. Would that not be God's way of doing it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The least of these, the, the unexpected, the Mary finding the gardener. But, you know, that's so interesting, that one part. I don't want us to miss it. You know, that comes there. Now, you said Mary finding the gardener. Mm -hmm. Why would you say that? It's not in that, this passage. I'm thinking that women, when she went back in, in her testimony, God uses all the things that wouldn't normally be used. He turns things upside down, and he uses um, incredible witnesses to tell the most credible facts. And, you know, to me... Even even this person, even if it's the young man, I mean, who's he, you know, <laughs> to tell them? Well, I've heard it said that he was an angel. Right. Now, I know other Gospels attest to angels, mm -hmm. but this one doesn't. Right. And I'm not saying the others are factual, and I'm not saying this one isn't factual, and I'm not saying that the two can't be reconciled. I'm just saying... That if this person was an angel, it seems to miss the point. The point is, Jesus would not necessarily come back so, so much so that we would have to see him through an angel or refuse to understand the resurrection power in any dimension or way except to be by proxy of an angel. And I, again, I understand angels. I understand the dimensions of that in Bible. I'm enough of a theologian to appreciate you can't be dismissive of them. I'm not trained to say that there's not angels. I'm not saying they right. didn't minister to Jesus. Right. I'm not saying Gabriel might have been one of them. I mean, we could go in a lot of directions when it comes to speculation. I just don't want to miss the point that God did not do this for angels. Mm -hmm. Right. God did this for us. And God wants us to have that relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. such that it does not matter if it was angels, if it were to be angels or not. Mm -hmm. And maybe he was the gardener. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just a young man. Mm -hmm. But there was a transformation and a change that took place. And the testimony of Christ did not first come to these individuals in this accounting and passage in a heralded, heralded sort of fashion. There wasn't trumpets blaring. Mm -hmm. There wasn't the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. There wasn't palm branches. There was a tomb. And when they went to find the body of Christ that day, they were not expecting to see what they saw. Right, but I don't want us to miss it. He tells what happens. You know, you're looking for Jesus. And then the very next, he has risen. And he's not here. You know, go see for yourself. But the revelation that he has there, I just, I know that, like you said, the other Gospels, there's mentioned angels, but I don't want us to miss that 
excitement that you can feel in that little small passage. Because, of course, you know, let's say he was an angel. Let's just say that. Of course, he's going to say, you know, he's risen, he's not here. And, and we read other scriptures where angels have said things and it sounds very authoritative and, you know, they're from God. But this, this little passage of the, just the excitement, it, I, it's like the feeling that we have on Easter morning, but then the next day happens and then we go back to work and then we go back to reality. I don't want that. I want that every day. And so this, this little passage just makes me excited. And I don't want our listeners to miss that, that this passage that was written. It's possibly more so because it's unassuming. Mm -hmm. The whole gospel is rather unassuming. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the others are overly dramatic in any way, shape, or form, but they all come from, again, different perspectives. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, there's always a human flavor to it because God right. chose an individual, and with that, then their experience right. is to, to give that report mm -hmm. In a way that would have the broadest of appeals, I'm sure, when the church made the determination of what to include in the Bible as we know it to be, this was the reasoning. Mm -hmm. Whether they knew it intellectually or it was spiritually discerned, this was, I'm sure, part of it. But this gospel is pretty unassuming. And the beautiful thing about it is we can do what we're doing right now, which I don't think is heresy. We can insert whatever we need to insert into the gospel, and it still produces the same result. And that's what I was trying to say at the beginning of the podcast as well. The facts and the details are important, but what's most important is that Jesus saves. Mm -hmm. And as right. long as you are willing to relate to Jesus, there will be relatable dimensions that will help you or that will be the parts that will God will use to save you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You don't have to get in the Wayback Machine. Mm -hmm. You can do that now, but that's mm -hmm. the excitement that we feel. It's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. It's Easter. It's, it's the... <laughs> I say Easter, but that's... It's, it's all of it. It's Easter. It's Christmas. It's, mm -hmm. it's all a Holy Week. It's the, mm -hmm. it's the Passover. It's all of it comes into Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all man or matter of men unto right. me. Right. I believe that's important. But I want to say this. You can't go through life loving an icon. Because once you meet the icon, mm -hmm. it gets real. Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't mean it's bad. It just gets real. But it's real. And thank God it's real because otherwise it's all virtual. And if it's all virtual, and again, the context once more of where we are, you all of a sudden begin to have a hard time differentiating between what's the lie mm -hmm. the and what's the truth. Mm -hmm. The only way you're going to know is this thing that we're at right now. We have used the concept of a way back machine. But there is no time in God. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you can't center in on this, now you're at peril. You're at, at peril of being sifted. And if you don't have the foundation when you're sifted, you will not survive the sifting. Mm -hmm. But this is it. Yeah. 
Now, maybe you always have been sifted. I'm sure that, that these characters, as we read of them in the Bible, all of them, everyone from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation have been sifted. But the sifting to now, today, at least for us, seems of epic proportion and dimension. Who knows? It may be tomorrow that the trumpet sounds. Who knows? Right. It may be this very next moment that Jesus appears to all of us universally mm-hmm. in his resurrected body. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But God. But why would we be any less excited today than right. we would have been yesterday than mm-hmm. we will be tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And this is all it is to be prepared. Keep oil in your lamp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just have to remember He's not an icon. Mm -hmm. You have to remember that it serves a purpose, but that's not the purpose. The purpose was so that we could then seek him out and get to know him as a person. Mm -hmm. Have a relationship. Absolutely. And I even think about, um, you mentioned different time frames and and Passover and, and Advent. That's upon us, this time frame. And we talked about that yesterday in our Sunday school class. And, <clears throat> excuse me, that time to prepare and to be ready. And the person teaching the class made a careful note to point out this isn't just until Christmas is over and then we don't talk about it anymore and we don't prepare, we don't, you know. She pointed out that. In Bible times, people in the Old Testament were constantly preparing. And I thought about that, and I thought, would that get old? <laughs> I mean, in our, in our minds, in, our, in my feeble mind, I, I, I think if I heard... But then, haven't we heard Jesus is coming back for as long as we've been alive? So those people have been preparing for the coming of Christ and that was her point to continually it's a continual thing it's not just it's not going to end when when christmas is here and okay advent's over you know we don't have to prepare anymore whatever we know jesus came as a baby but we are constantly preparing to see him i thought that was so interesting cuz you know sometimes we put time frames on it like you said and we have an idea of what it looks like but when we get to the real thing it's a lot different well the stone gets rolled away <clears throat> mhm and what is the stone? It's our humanity. It's all those things that one, at one time I think most of us believed in. Things like love. And then you grow up and you realize it was all a lie. It was all deception. People lying to you. And your heart becomes hardened. You, the stone, you mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. Separates us. In that sepulcher. And what you have been wearing, (laughs) as dirty as it has gotten, can be cleansed. Mm -hmm. But you have to allow the stone to be rolled away. And you have to be intimately so connected to Christ so that not only does He come out, but as with Advent, He gets in. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's seamless. It's beginning and end are one. Mm -hmm. There is, it's all, it's just... It's a constant opening up. It's a constant receiving. It's a constant discharge of what? Love. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit. But the moment you begin to wall yourself off, 
the moment that you begin to go through as much as you might in such a protracted way, the, the death, the burial, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you don't have confidence in the resurrection, you're going to stay there in the tomb. Right, right. You're going to be like Mary and Mary. Mm -hmm. You're going to be trying to figure out how to get the stone rolled away. Mm -hmm. well, it's not yours to roll away. God's already got a provision for that. Mm -hmm. But it's yours to care enough to show up. Mm -hmm. It's yours to stay with it. It's yours to seek him out. Mm -hmm. Stay with it. Don't forsake him. Don't abandon him. Don't right. run from him like the rest did. Right. Because he's going to show himself. Mm -hmm. And all the things that he has promised are true. To be true, and all the things he's promised are true, and you will experience the resurrection with him. Mm -hmm. But the devil would love nothing more, Satan would love nothing more than to convince you the stone not only can't be rolled away, but shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Because what are you going to find in there? Right. You're going to find all the ugly. You're going to find all the hurt. You're going to find the bloodied. You're going to find the grave cloths, whatever they might look like. Mm -hmm. At that point, I'm not sure how they embalmed or whatever the, the right. right terminology would be. I don't know if that would even call that back then, what they did to prepare the body for burial. Well, but, I think of Lazarus, remember? how Stinketh. They, yeah. <laughs> so, so this idea, though, is there's just so much power in the verses, but let's not get lost in all the metaphor, and let's not get lost in all the prose, and let's not get lost in the narrative, because, you know, we could all write good stories, and, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that I could be dramatically and uh, effective enough to be persuasive, but we've gone to preachers to the sermons that we'll leave and we're just convicted. The only thing that's going to sustain that in the way that you were mentioning right. with the Sunday school teacher mm -hmm. in the Advent mm -hmm. is if you allow Jesus in your heart mm -hmm. and recognize mm -hmm. not only that there is a tomb, but more than that, the stones rolled away so that there is then resurrection mm -hmm. and coming out of that grave. Mm -hmm. Because that's life. Right. But it's also love. And all the people that have hurt you and betrayed you and let you down and lied to you and mm -hmm. stole from you. And again, what do you sort of transactional? They've, uh, in commerce sort of terms, uh, tried to manipulate your needs and your mm -hmm. wants to get what they want so that they can win. Mm -hmm. It's very, very challenging not to roll a stone in front of the door to your heart. Right. But don't let your heart become your tomb, or if it is going to be your tomb, let there be resurrection because Christ needs in mm -hmm. as much as He wants to, once there, come out. Mm -hmm. And as much as He may or may not, other passages, other Gospels, gone to hell itself mm -hmm. to liberate all the captives in that interim between His burial and His eventual resurrection, he does that with me. Mm -hmm. I'm in hell until I know Jesus. That's right. Is it figurative? I can get very figurative, metaphorical. Yes. Is it the same as the literal hell? Probably not that I would know of in a human sense. But it's still hell because if I don't let Jesus in, I'm going to end up in a literal place just as much as it might be at the moment I'm in right now. Seemingly so. Eternally hell. It doesn't have to be except that I would not 
mm-hmm. experience the resurrection. But I have to go to and through all of that mm-hmm. with Jesus or I'm not going to have that. Mm. That's such a good point that sometimes... And I have, <laughs> I have people in my mind when you talk about that tomb that want to stay in the tomb. And it breaks my heart because I, I know what happens when the stone <laughs> is rolled away and when there's resurrection and when there's life. And they don't want to choose that. And the only thing I can do is to point them <laughs> to the one who can bring that resurrection and, and share and tell. But until they make up their own mind, um, it's very difficult. And... You know, that's what I I think of certain people that come to see me, even while you were speaking. Yeah, you do that, Counsel. And I, yes, and I think about some of the, the people that come to see me, how they've been in that tomb. And how we have walked through that path where they've allowed the stone, they've allowed themselves to realize the stone, you said, it's not their stone to roll away. So when they realize the stone's been rolled away, there's been a, a way made for you. You don't have to even go out there and try to push it yourself, right? Sometimes people do that. But the stone's been rolled away. You just have to actually acknowledge, oh, I have a way out. And Jesus has come in and he wants to resurrect and come out and shine in the world with you, through you. But I'm thankful for those moments that when people get to that point, um, I'm still praying for those that have not got to that point. And even in my own life, I mean, maybe there's things where I feel like there's a stone in front of it. Maybe I have to confront that within me. Maybe that's not a, a, a um, of course, a singular event as far as, you know, allowing Jesus to come live in my heart and, you know, to be a believer. But maybe there's... Would you allow me to go there that maybe there's possible other stones that need to be rolled away? Oh, yeah, constantly. Right. So that's something that we all struggle with, and we all have to allow that process to happen. And, and in that way, maybe you and I are that man. Mm. Maybe in some ways right. we're able to then tell Mary and Mary, even as Elihu did for Job. Yeah. We're not Jesus, but we're in that position. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's the whole point, too, is when somebody's going through the grief as with the disciples and those that were closest to Jesus, mm-hmm. that's when they have the most difficulty. That's when they're going through their valley of shadow of death. That's right. when they're going through their hell experience. Right. And maybe it just takes somebody like me and you on the outside. But you're absolutely right. Who's somewhat objective or neutral or who could see it in just very basic terms. But that's what we do in counseling. And it happens. Mm -hmm. It's real. Mm -hmm. Now, will everybody (laughs) rush out and and tell the world about Jesus? No. Well, they maybe have to leave our office, and then maybe it'll take a little while before Mm -hmm. they'll have that personal visit with Christ. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure... That this message this, of this young man and the possible parallel is, is maybe not an original thought, but it's often overlooked. 
because we just take it for what it is and mm-hmm. we really don't think so much about it and because we're caught up in the icon we're caught mm-hmm. up in oh we've heard that we know the verse and even if we sincerely genuinely mean it we know the passage no stop for a moment and do what we're doing on the podcast today mm-hmm. stop for a moment and be thoughtful and thankful stop for a moment mm-hmm. and don't lose the real meaning and purpose of all the icon mm-hmm. that holidays tend to be or that they're celebratory <laughs> the light of the Every time you see that scene portrayed like in a children's Bible and there's the big bright light around the, I guess maybe it's supposed to be an angel. And and so we were taken back by that. We were drawn by the lights. Are we that simple? Well, I told you about the uh, employee that I had that told me that she had a a dream and out of these offices was an incredible light Mm -hmm. that was shining forth. Now, that's been 15 years ago or more when she told me about the dream Mm -hmm. and certainly there's been a lot of moments along the way where there's been enough discouragement and that she's not with us any longer and I thought well (laughs) but whether there is a light or not it's out of you it's out of your heart and Mm -hmm. just don't ever allow the devil to convince you the garden of Gethsemane is the end of it all Mm. And though there's a lot that you know is going to happen between Gethsemane, because that's what the whole prayer about mm-hmm. was about, is they Jesus for sure. Mm-hmm. They were in denial. The others, they didn't want right. to know all that stuff. They didn't want to live all that stuff. They weren't right. ready to receive all that stuff. Right. But there's always Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, and there's always resurrection power. Mm. And that is a great message, whether it's a counseling situation right. or just for life in general. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, should they want to get a hold of us, how do they do that? Please give us a call. I'd love to hear from you at 304-528-9220. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. Or you can go online and get some more information, covenantsonline.com. Of course, there's always our Facebook page you can check out under Covenants. And of course, Carolyn and I both would want to invite you to come back for the next edition Absolutely. of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. And likewise, between now and hopefully then, when you do come back, we want to just ask, wish, agree with you that you would be wonderfully blessed.